Good people, and welcome to the Lemonade Budget for Champagne Social Butterflies, the aspirational podcast for hopeless people, of which I am one of them. I am your host, Donna Scott, and we have been away for quite some time because life has been awful. <laughs> um, We've all been dying. Yeah. Oh, oh by the way, I'm joined uh, this week by Neil, my husband. Hello. So, back by popular demand, you are. Fools. Fools. <laughs> yeah, so I just thought I'd mention uh, why I have been away. You know how this is an aspirational podcast? Yes. Do you know what? when aspiration isn't a good thing? <laughs> is that when you're joking? <laughs> when it's aspiration pneumonia, yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, um, yeah, my dad had an accident five years ago. Yeah. And it left him with traumatic brain injury, which he over, overcame. And since then, he had strokes, a lot of debilitation. He ended up in a care home. And he, he'd, been, he'd been doing marvellously, but he contracted pneumonia, aspiration pneumonia, just before Christmas, which is quite common with people when they've got Alzheimer's. Because the the palate collapses, so it may, may, means it's very difficult for you to swallow food properly. So you need your your care home assistants to sort of pay a special attention to you. And Dad did have that, but he we did. got allowed to go and see him in hospital in Bath early Royal. December. Yeah, early uh, December. Early December, because it was deemed that he was on end of life. And they weren't allowing visitors, but because they thought he was about to die, we were allowed to go and see him as compassionate visit. Which we're very grateful for. Yes. And then Dad being frickin' Rasputin... Pulled through! Yeah, we got better. So we weren't allowed to go and see him anymore mm. until he moved to the back to the care home. And the care home was like three hours' drive away from me and all of my siblings. We were mm. all at different points in the country. But my dad's care home was three hours away from every single one of us. <laughs> Not in the middle, but just inconveniently three hours away from all of us. So we were allowed to go and see him as well uh, when he started to get a bit poorly in the care home. Now, because this is during the pandemic, what we had to do is we had to make sure that we didn't have any symptoms of coronavirus. Had our tests when we arrived. Yeah, which is like a PCR test. It's like We've had so many of those now, haven't we? It's a lateral flow it's test, lateral flow test. So, I don't know. We poke things in your nose. <laughs> <laughs> you try not to throw up when you poke it down your throat do it then the throat first then the nose otherwise it tastes disgusting and yeah and then we were allowed to go and see him because we didn't have the covids no yeah so we went to see him for an hour and that was back in january late january yep. well, i don't know what time january but it was definitely january yeah and spoke to him for a while played him music and we were on our way home when we got contacted by the care home to say, we've just tested your dad and he has coronavirus. Because of course you test after the visit. That was sensible. We were livid. Very, very angry. And well, we just knew then that that was going to be it because he'd fought yeah. so much. There was no way he was going to overcome COVID as no. well. And sadly, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't. So, And we didn't know what to do at that point because... We, well, apart from get tested. Apart from, we had to get text tested, so we did get a test. Now, we have to wait five days 
for the test yeah. because it doesn't show in your system until at least five days. So we went and had a test after that time. Yeah, it was, we were fine. Yeah. Absolutely fine. Yeah. Tickety-boo. Indeed. Just very sad because um, my dad was about to die and we couldn't be with him anymore. Yeah. See him anymore. And uh, so that's when I, I, I made like an interim episode at that point to say, oh, I'm not going to be able to record much because I was just too sad. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, I was so sad. So sad. Oh. It got, yeah, it got sadder because he, he did die. He did die. And then shortly after he died, guess what happened? We got COVID. We got COVID. Yeah. Quite, quite badly as well. It wasn't just a cough, was it? No, 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 no. So we're here recording now and we've just basically had to pause this recording to clear our lungs. The more we chat, the more we'll have to pause because it, we get kind of wheezy. But we're okay. We're okay now. But it has been a month a and a A wonderfully month. cheerful start to the podcast. Yeah. Positivity. Welcome back, guys. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> So all those people out there saying, I just want to say, all those people out there saying it's just a, it's just a cold or it's just a flu, get in the sea. <laughs> get in the sea. Because this is like, you know when you go to a party when you're a child and you, and you don't actually like the child whose party you're going to? Yeah. And you all have to sit around playing past the parcel. And you, you have like that bully child who controls when you get the parcel. Because they they're keeping their eye on whoever's playing the music. Fiona. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they they know they've watched that parcel being wrapped. They know when when the crap presents are coming. So when it comes round to you, it stops and you get the very crap present, or just the layer of paper. That is it. Coronavirus is the gift that keeps coming back to you, and every time it's worse. It is every time you get over one symptom and it starts clearing up, something else comes along. And it was just, yeah. I mean, some pe- in fairness, some people do just get a bit of a headache or a bit of a cough. We've but had everything. We had everything. We had the night sweats, the muscle aches, the uh, just everything. I don't want to whinge because I've had enough of whinging. <laughs> whinge, whinge. But we, yeah, yeah, it was, it was terrible. Knocked us out. I had to miss four weeks off work. But um, just to go back a bit, what do you mean, get in the sea? I don't understand what you're saying. People who think it's just a cold, they need to get back in the sea. As that... in devolve back to being an amoeba. Yeah, because they that, that's the phrase, isn't it? It's a phrase. It's, a... <laughs> it's new to me, but that's fine. That's the thing the kids say. <laughs> it's like, okay, boomer, get back in the sea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Starbuck. Okay, Starbuck. <laughs> You had to make oh boomer. gosh! No. Oh, what did we say the other day? Oh, there was a thing about about Cylons that we were noticing the other day. Can't remember what it was now. Wow! Wow! Cylons in stockings. Oh yeah. I can't remember why. Oh, nylons. Cylons. Cylons in nylons. That was it. Cylons in nylons. That's gonna make no sense to anybody. <laughs> but anyway. This is why you need to write your jokes down, people, because this is like how all my early joke books looked. I didn't really get into the practice of writing my jokes down properly. 
I would just have an idea and I thought I'll write that down while I'm here because I'm busy and I've got a full notebook for the things like that say things like Cylons in nylons. <laughs> they make no sense. I've got no idea what triggered it. <laughs> I've got loads of those. I've got loads of notes like that on phones. <laughs> you know, just punchlines and half a setup, and it makes no sense at all. Or even um, pits for short stories or live short stories. Absolutely no context. No, no idea. I do like the way, though, we didn't stop there and edit it so that could have just been a joke. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> we'll just mumble. Oh, that, that's fine. Today, we are looking forward to something really awesome. Or oh, very exciting. We're extremely excited. And that diphtheria. is because... <laughs> what? We've had all the other diseases. Is it not diphtheria? The rickets. Rickets. Bit of measles. What else are we talking about? Some mumps. Uh, no, we are looking forward to Series 6 of Line of Duty. Yeah. Drink along a Line of Duty. Yeah. Oh, this is the thing. Well, we, we are very limited in how we can gamify the first episode of Line of Duty because back when it was first announced, yep. I created a bingo card full of exercises. Like if somebody said, like uh, if like Kate called Steve a mate or Steve called Kate a mate, then it mate. was it was like ten burpees. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I made a bingo card like that. Or Mother of God came into it. Mother or... of God and all those things. And I think it was Freddie Farrell said, you will die. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, the thing is, I was like, nah, I can do this. I can do this. I will be burping my way through Line of Duty. But so we did some research and watched the old series, didn't we? We did do that. Oh, we're going to go We'll talk about that. But I would say that due to coronavirus, if we did do 10 burpees every time Kate said, mate, I we would, would die. die. <laughs> yeah. I would be a puddle on the floor here. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah, we've been researching the old series and learning some things that we completely missed the first time round. I think we missed the first series the first time round because I don't remember any of that. And it makes later series make a lot more sense. Yeah, I think I missed the first series. Mm. Yeah. I want to shout out to a friend, Steve who joined me to one of these Facebook public group forum type thingies, Line of Duty fans, where people who like crime series talk about Line of Duty and other related things, and Mm -hmm. they're very funny, (laughs) and then they annoy me to death because there's different characters who appeared in series one of Line of Duty that have come back in various series since, including one of the lads who's going to be in the next series because he was a young tearaway in the first series and now he's a policeman. Yeah, a little yubbo on a bicycle, wasn't he? Yeah, his name's Ryan Pilkington. And he's not been included in the uh, in the IMDb credits as, as a kind of surprise, but we've all seen it. so We, all we saw him passing out yeah. at the end of the... So it's not a surprise. No. They keep doing this. They keep who, going... Who put you on to that point. Was that Stevie Root? Yeah. Ah, oh, Stevie Root, Root, Root. Big out. Yes. So, <laughs> it has things like every time there's a character in it who like, goes away, some people go, try and imagine like different things about it, like saying, ooh, 
Jill Bigelow goes to her house at the end of that last series. Did you notice that was Ryan Pilkington's house? And everyone's going, no, it wasn't. She's got a secret identity. (laughs) That's her new house, that is. By the sea. Did you not notice the sea? (laughs) (laughs) I guess we all know that uh, Line of Duty is set in an unnamed city. In the Midlands. In the Midlands stroke Manchester. In the the middle Midlands, yeah. But is filmed in Belfast and used to be filmed in Birmingham. So all of a sudden, you as you're watching the different series, like some massive hills appear. I was sucking diesel now. <laughs> it's like, oh, where have we gone? Don't know, but there's some massive hills everywhere. Which there don't tend to be in the Midlands, let's be fair. They look a bit like the hills in Shropshire. A little bit. No, they don't. They do, because no, no, it's like the same shape. The hills in Shropshire are nowhere near that big or rugged. Mm. Oh, I think they do. But, uh, yeah, so there's different areas of this unnamed city that have, like, connotations between Manchester and Birmingham, like Moss Heath. Yeah. And you found a street that actually has two of the police stations, or two of the streets that meet together in the middle of Birmingham, don't they? Uh, yeah, but that's a, that was a supposition too far. So there was a trailer for the new series out a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And if you... Watched it closely, there was a magazine uh, about uh, one of the characters who's going to feature in the new series, played by former comedian Andy Osho. Uh, I've performed with Andy Osho. You have indeed. Yes, she was very good. She is indeed. Yes. Um, She plays a character who I think doesn't last very long in this series. I think a journalist, an investigative journalist, who's onto something. And the magazine features a Q reader... On the a cover, QR code, yeah. QR code, and that's shown in the trailer. And if you scanned it, then it took you to um, a dating site. <laughs> it did for me every time I scanned it. It put me on a dating site because it expected the barcode next to it, so I couldn't play this game, this Easter egg hunt. What was that? A carbon dating site? Ooh, I'm very old. You know. Very old. <laughs> very old. I'm yeah. mainly Neanderthal. <laughs> Not like two point six percent or anything. No, no. you're like mainly Neanderthal. Mainly Neanderthal. Yeah. Look at the impressive brow ridge <laughs> and the flat head. That's Bigger how brain. you know. Bigger brain. Bigger brain. Look at the use of tools. Mm. That's another obsession. <laughs> so it led you to um, prescription. No, it took you to a letter. It took you to a letter. Oh, that's right. It took you to a letter. From DCI Andrea Wise Mm -hmm. saying that you've got to watch Ted Hastings because it doesn't really get on with the politics of policing and policing's all about politics. We don't know what to do next. And the next had a little hyperlink in it. And the hyperlink took you to a prescription for Mm -hmm. Steve Arnott, who was still... He's got a bad back. Yeah, because he's got a bad back. Because he's very old. Yeah, which was basically was for two types of ibuprofen. Yeah. And something else. Yeah. So you can feel well. Yeah, the like whole a that, well. that prescription was so full of Easter eggs, it was unreal. And most of them are very annoying. <laughs> like there's like a whole hexamedecimal code thing in there uh-huh. that just says Morse code. But we already worked out the Morse code. <laughs> Before we worked out the hexadecimal, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so Morse code. Um the thing is Looking at some of the people who, who've realised and they, after we solved it, of course, looking at some people tie themselves in knots. 
trying to work out what it was trying to tell them and where it was going was hilarious. Mm. It was good fun. We started doing it really, really late one night when we spotted it on the trailer. And then we did it for about half an hour and then we went to bed. And then the cat was jumping on my head at six in the morning. So I just got up and started solving the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. And you had to kind of... <laughs> I missed the rest of it because, yeah, I was still asleep. But never mind. I'm yeah. good. I'm not bitter. But there was so much in it. I love Easter eggs like that. And I love codes. When I was a, a kid, I, did you used to do the same when you read The Hobbit and solve the runes around the... I didn't read anything like that until what? I was in my 30s. What? That's when I read The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and things. Well, that's the thing. When you're a genius brain box like me, you love codes. Runes were one of my earliest, like working out what the runes were. And I was kind of disappointed mm-hmm. because it all, I like extra stuff from from codes. I like like to be told something different. And this was just basically a synopsis of the story. And I was like, no, tell me something different. So there's that, and I used to work out, you know, in, in computer programs, you know, the ones you used to type yeah. from books, I used to work out which bits all the codes did, and then make my own thing out of them. Well, you know, I had a go at the code of my Robert Rankin book that you bought me. Oh, I haven't looked at it. Ah, see, maybe you should have a go on that. You can win drawings. Yeah, maybe I will, but I don't know the stories very well. I think you need to know the stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I bought Neil... A special edition book with no words in. It's all artwork, and it's a sort Penned of like, by the man himself. Yeah, so it's like a, a one of the toy town mysteries. Lots of toy town references in there, and it's semi biographical as well. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's beautiful. Then, it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, a typical kind of like oh, slightly risque naughty toys. <laughs> yeah, it's rude and beautiful, but yeah. it's beautiful. It's very good. There's a hidden uh, story in there. Yeah. And if you work out the story, it has clues. And if you work out the clues and do solve the riddles, then you can with the, the original artwork for the, the book. Yes, yes. So, yes, there's a chance to win original artwork for the Robert Rankin book, which is called The Book With No Words or something mm. like that. I forgot what it's called. <laughs> I can't remember either. Has it got a title on it? It's got no words. No, no, it's got no words. So, I love working out codes. So, this... like popped up and I was like yeah I love a good clue thing which is what we've been doing at work as well we've been doing virtual escape rooms have you yeah there's loads of them on, online yeah um but you know I do tend to race ahead <laughs> yeah I've solved it yeah I've solved it yeah I've solved it it's a team bonding game Donna I'm rubbish at team bonding <laughs> <laughs> what I'm very good at is team show offing that I've got it <laughs> You do have a cocky streak. Yes. But I love you. <laughs> you heard that. He likes my cocky streak. <laughs> no, I said but. But I love you. <laughs> he likes my streaky cock. <laughs> <laughs> when you replace the batteries. Wow. <laughs> no. Nah. Anyway, follow the clues. And I solved the trail, as it were. Then went back and looked at more clues, because there's other clues. Not um, a duty, you mean? Yes. Yes, yes. In the Easter egg trail. So, the thing with the Fourth Street thing, because it takes you to a map in Google Maps, it's like a street view, and it's Green Lane and Fourth Street. Now, Green Lane is a police station in Line of Duty. Yeah, and so is Fourth. Fourth Avenue, Avenue, not Fourth Street, but the full 
was important. What I really liked about that bit is um, my dad grew up just around the corner from there. Yeah. He uh, grew up in, in Yardley, just over the, the border there. And it was really good fun looking around where my dad grew up. Oh, my God, it's... Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad I didn't grow up there at all. It makes me wonder as well, because we were looking at this map, trying to think, have they done it like the BBC did it for Doctor Who when they put a TARDIS yeah. in the middle of Cardiff City, wasn't it? Cardiff Centre. Yeah. And you could, when you went into it, you could actually go into the TARDIS and yeah. play games in the TARDIS. Which have been great. I mean, just having um, some of the characters in a car in the street or something like that. Yeah. I mean, Arnett or Kate or somebody. So we were looking around the street view for quite some time. There's basically buy a kebab shop and a used car dealership. Yeah. And just, just having a look going, oh, is there anything in there? Is there anything in the window? Oh, those are cheap burgers. <laughs> and I found... Burgers, actually, yeah. I found and pizzas. One thing. One thing. And don't know if anybody else spotted it, but it's unlikely that the BBC did this. <laughs> so I'm thinking this is tenuous, but there's a sign in the corner of the street that's kind of like leaning against another sign. Yep. And by the time the Google van managed to capture both sides of that, somebody must have come and swapped them round. Yeah. But they looked at it in a such a way as they they weren't neat and tidy. Yeah, nor was anywhere around there. And they looked kind of fake, like somebody had swapped them over. Yeah. But one was an advert for Kelly's ice cream. It but is. we know that's a real ice cream. It's in it's a Cornish ice cream. Yeah, nice ice cream. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a thing. Yeah, it's because Kelly's switching sides is something. And why do you think Kelly's switching sides is a thing? Because there's a Kelly McDonald is an actress in the new things. No, that, that, so that was a theory I had. But we're also looking at some of the other theories that the Easter egg trail threw up, including who H might be and yeah. whether or not that H, H is a woman. Indeed. Ah. But anyway, no more spoilers from me because I think people should... I think have the fun. Yeah, the fun is it. having to go yourself. And you need to have a look yourself. So the sun did a... A thing where they leaked the entire trail, which I think is no good. That's no. another reason to hate the bloody sun. Nobody wants the puzzle solved for them. They want to work it out, don't they? Of course they do. Yeah. Of course they do. That sense of achievement when you get it. And also it must take a lot of work to actually create these uh, Easter egg hunts. Because we've tried to put clues in for the Cabri's Easter egg hunt. Yeah. And no matter what clues we put in, because we, we did the paid one first, so we got each other an egg which was nice and um and then we did the free ones afterwards yeah. just so we could do it and trying to think of a clue that people don't get instantly it's really hard isn't it yeah in fact we went to the same place to hide the egg at the same time because we thought it was so obscure the other one wouldn't think of it <laughs> <laughs> over there in mr malta yeah, yeah we both hid an egg for each other at the lady die pub in malta in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In Sliema, which is hilarious because we went there on our honeymoon and it was one of the, the, the pub we went to on the second night. Yeah, we just going for a walk around. Yeah. Saw, saw a pub called the Lady Di. We thought, well, we have to. Why not? From Northamptonshire, as Lady Di was. So we thought we'd. Yeah. And you walk yeah. in and on the far wall, 
there's like all these pictures, pictures of Lady Di. 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 Tony Drago. Tony Drago. Just yeah. in the middle of the top. The snooker player, Tony Drago. So I said to the owner, it's like, uh, what? why is that the, uh, the single picture of Tony Drago in the middle of all those pictures of Princess Diana? And he went, hey, he's my cousin. <laughs> he, he grew up just up the road. <laughs> he's a great guy. Um, which, we told him we was on honeymoon. So he put the porn on for us. To get us in the mood, it's a bit weird. That was a we bit weird. We didn't want the porn on. Also, it was porn, but you know... It was very soft, wasn't it? What is it? <laughs> that was all the beer. Gets the that was all the beer. <laughs> I need the shaft cup now because of the gush. No, um, basically, it was just all. You know when you, I was like saying, you know when you watch a porn film. Not that we do. No, it was all the plot of the porn. Yeah, that's film. right. It's all the plot and of no none sex. of the porn. Then edited out the sex and just left the plot. That was a short film. <laughs> it was There's a lady in a hat, <laughs> and now she's putting it back on. It was—I'd forgotten that. Oh, that is absolutely. Oh, that was brilliant. And then I said, "Okay, go to the go to the loo." And then yeah, and they had this like you went up a step, pulled back this concertina brown plastic door. Are you thinking you're going upstairs or something? No, it's just a like two steps into the cupboard where the toilet is. <laughs> One toilet, everyone shares. It was lovely. And it's like, I just pull this too, going, this is weird. I'm like, gone into a cupboard to have a wee. Oh. <laughs> you think, maybe there's a, it doesn't even have like a, a sewerage system underneath. Maybe it just goes into a box. Who knows? It wasn't a cupboard, it was a closet. It's a water closet. It was a cupboard. <laughs> it's a water closet. You were in the closet. That was, that was good. That was good. Well, yeah, so anyway, I solved this Easter egg trail pretty easily. So I've said, I'm going to go work for GTHQ now. Oh, yeah. yeah. Half of it was on the dark web, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Took me to some weird places. Yeah. All right, I was on this like online Facebook group and people have been anticipating watching the next series of Line of Duty. Oh. So everyone was going, ooh, a bit. Has anyone watched Unforgotten? Because, of course, there is a, a series showing right now. Yeah. And we've seen three of them before, I think. Yeah. Two three, or three of them before. Yeah. Which and we've, we've enjoyed. Really we loved enjoyed them. them. Yeah. And that stars Nicola Walker and Sanjeev Bhaskar. Oh, brilliant. So we've started watching Unforgotten. But when you've been sort of like immersed in the very detailed world of Line of Duty, when you watch other series that are quite good but not quite as detailed or kind of implausible. Yeah. It really shows up, doesn't it? It does. It really does. So I was like, well, this is uh that would never have happened. Why is she following this lead? And all of that. And somebody else under the this, oh, have you seen Unforgotten Post said, has anyone watched The Last Train that she was in? The Last Train? Yeah. So... It's all on YouTube. There's the whole series. All six episodes. All yeah. six episodes on YouTube, which we've watched. And we, what we decided is a treat is we're going to tell you about every episode. Not all at the same time, just one a week. Treat. <laughs> Yay! So that you can go on YouTube and you can watch it and like sing along Last Train because there is music. <laughs> there is. And it's, a, 
It's a dystopian science fiction wonderland. Yes. And um, post-apocalyptic joy. And it stars Nicola Walker. So, according to Wikipedia, Mm -hmm. The Last Train, Cruel Earth in North America, is a British six-part limited television series, a post-apocalyptic drama, first broadcast on the ITV network in 1999. Okay. My impressions were 1999 is yesterday. And it's not... In your head? in, In my head, it's yesterday, but it's not, is it? No, because oh you, you look at it and, my God, the technology and the clothes and the, the computer screens are hugely mahoosive and square and phones are just tiny and small with no screens and no buttons. And it's just, oh, my God. It's crazy, so isn't it? long ago. Neither of us had seen before this week. No, this because uh, at the time I was living on a narrowboat and didn't have TV. And I didn't really watch ITV. I was probably doing a pub quiz or something. As well. And being elitist. Yes, because I'm snobby. A snobby elitist. Okay, so tell us, what is The Last Train about? Well, rather than giving you the full uh, series synopsis, let's just go for the first episode, which is what we're going to cover today. Yes. Okay, so. It starts in King's Cross Station, 1999. Nicola Walker runs in with an oversized sports bag. Chinooks fill the air. And she's calling a man called Jonathan on a telephone. A tiny telephone with no screen and lots of buttons, because it's 1999. A woman who does not want to be pregnant is arguing with her boyfriend as she has to go to Sheffield and she doesn't want the baby, but he wants to plan a family future. A mother is running away with her two children. One of those children is a little boy who in later life is now playing the master in Doctor Who. Ah. Cut to a bank robber who's just got a load of money and agrees to meet his ne'er-do-well friends in the lockup in Sheffield. And as he leaves the van, he gets stopped by the police, but he won't stop. He runs. The detective sergeant runs after him and they enter the same train. We have an annoying office worker just holding his suitcase, looking at people in a beady, beady way. We have a business owner being all arsy. We have an old boy who's very over-friendly, who later turns out to be a builder. And we have a sentimental middle-aged old lady. This all happens from scene to scene, bit to bit, going all round, with a little 15-year-old boy turning round to give people plots to make sure that everybody explains themselves in the first nine minutes. It is as rushed as hell. Oh, <laughs> so little Sasha Dewan, he's about 15 in he's this. He's so cute. He's the cute, so cute. In so his chinos cute. and his curtain hair. <laughs> what I love is the way they also built, try and build tension. Everything, every bit's a little drama and try to build tension. When um, Dyla goes over to uh, Nicola Walker with this oversized bag that she's hiding, and she says, get away, go back to your mother, be safe. It really does impose that she's some kind of terrorist bomber. Yeah. And it's, ah, oh, it's just, attention's built up really, really, really quickly. But these six episodes really should have been 36. It should have been a three series, 12 episode series. Oh, but they just crammed it all into this thing. And it gets to the point where there's just hardly any dialogue or anybody spoken to anybody. And the first quarter of the programme's already over. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, crazy. They, they learn each other's names by osmosis. <laughs> if you're going to watch the, this first episode with us like, before next week, and we talk about episode two, I think it's been uploaded by 
random uploader is the name and you want the four hour thing because that's what we've been watching it yeah yeah it's four it's, hours of four hours which is the entire series but you know it's like 50 minutes for the first episode and yeah it's, it's good and everybody in it is really good everybody's really it's good it. and it's written by matthew graham oh. so have you had heard of matthew graham before nope uh, matthew graham is the co-creator of Life on Mars and Ashes to Ashes. Oh, right, okay. And he's also written for Doctor Who and Childhood's End and Hustle. Proper sci-fi vibe, then. Yeah, very much so. Good man. Yeah, in fact, uh, I think I, I can see a little bit of the kind of, like, desire for nostalgia coming through that you've seen at Life on Mars and Ashes to Ashes in some of the bits Later in the series. On, yeah. yeah. But um, as a bit of nostalgia for us watching this, seeing 1999 through 2021 eyes was really weird. It is. It is. Especially as, I mean, there's a lot of nowadays, a lot talking about representation. Yeah. But you you look through this, which is 22 years ago, so it's not exactly soon. And uh, you've got one of the main guys in there, the bank robber, uh, is a black guy. Uh, mother and two kids uh, are Asian. One of the the nice middle-aged woman that cares too much is really proud that her son's gay. And this is all in, in conversation that happens just a little bit later in the thing. So representation's and, right up there. And it's um, a female-driven plot as well. Very female-driven plot. We've also got the main character and the, the lab scientist, uh, which Nicola Walker's playing. Harriet Ambrose. Harriet Ambrose. And so the head scientist and Noel is the woman the person who does all the dynamic kicking down doors and climbing through to remove the rubble to free everybody is another woman yeah that's Ro that's Ro so it yeah there's a lot of stereotypes in there a little bit because everyone's on the train and Harriet is is looking as dodgy as hell and there's the train derails as it goes through a tunnel and then turns over and this canister falls out of her her bag and freezes everybody. Yeah. And then an amount of time lapses. A brick breaks the window, so everybody defrosts. And then they've got to dig their way out of the tunnel. Yeah. Which is where Rode, the dynamic super person, the real candua, um, comes really comes floor. into her own, which is great. Also, not credited, but there is a bit of a scene where Gretchen Franklin who played Ethel in EastEnders, is one of the old dears on the train who doesn't make it. <laughs> she don't make it. She's too old. Yeah. I mean, there are some really bad stereotypes still in there. Like Ro, when she's getting out to save everybody, says, oh, uh, what's the quote? I jotted it down. It was just so painful. I know I'm only a girl, but if I break a fingernail... <laughs> well, maybe one of you guys can come and rescue me. <laughs> Which is labouring the point, really, that I'm a girl doing the action bit. But yeah. it was it was a bit... Oh, my God. There was a quite funny bit, though, and as well. And also, you know, the black guy is playing a, a burglar and an ne'er-do-well yeah. and a robber. So it's sort of like, oh, that could have, been, could have been the detective or, you know, somebody else in there. Yeah, or the businessman or, yeah, the builder or something else. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a weird bit as well when uh, Nicola Walker sort of gets carried off the train and she's kind of delirious. And... <laughs> But out of nowhere, she just says, I don't fake my orgasms. Trying to think, you know what I don't want to do? I don't fake my orgasms. It's like, what? That just really caught the ear, didn't it? That was just weird as hell. And then there's the bit where she's trying to explain to people what's happened, that an asteroid has hit 
the Earth. Oh, yeah. Asteroid has hit the Earth uh, in Africa, has obliterated the planet. Yeah. And this freezy thing was supposed to be for the Ark, which is where she's trying to get to, to get to Jonathan, another scientist for the MOD. And it's supposed to be freezing, the great and the good. And that's what she does as research. And she's explaining everything to everybody. Yep. It's like, as well, I think how she has those canisters and she's been told, use that in case of emergency. Uh And she's calling Jonathan on the phone at the beginning of the episode. He's saying, oh, you've got to come and get to me. And she's saying, oh, the the car's being serviced and couldn't, none of the higher places are open. So I've got to get the train. Why would she get a car service, car service when she's going to, you know, the world's going to end <laughs> the next afternoon? Yeah, I think it's really weird. It's like she's we've well, given me more time. So no. at some point, they've known that this was going to happen, and he's not told her exactly when it's going to happen, but he knew. But he's given her this can, and it just happened to be when the car's being serviced. Yeah, and at the same time, we can see all these chinooks flying over. <laughs> And they've got like this symbol on them, and they they are Ark, and they're the people she works for. So why didn't she go with them? And she'd got clips. That is a good point. That is a that is a yeah. I like it that once they've got out because to be a, it takes them another nine minutes to get out the train wreck, doesn't yeah. it? With it? Because of the pent up drama and everything about it, and they end up just outside Sheffield. And this is where you get all the nostalgia thing because there's so much debris from everywhere on the train tracks as they walk through this dark disused tunnel, which looks like Kelmarsh. Yeah, which uh, is a lovely, lovely tunnels around a uh, disused railroad. It's really good. But of course, as she's explained it, even though they can see that nothing's left and the city's obviously been crumbling for years, this guy just won't listen to her because she's a lady. Who, fakes, uh, who has who to does, protest that she doesn't fake her some, orgasms. Yes. And that's what makes them not believe her. Indeed. Because there's no other reason not to believe her because she's the scientist. But he has to shout out, that's just gibberish, woman. And takes all of the guys off on a wild goose chase to look for a field tent. <laughs> yeah, a field hospital, because obviously that's what's going to be on, because it was just Even a Even though they, they can see everything's in ruins. And covered in cobwebs and dust and has been for years. They get the comeuppance, which was a lovely comeuppance, wasn't it? Yeah, so you, you want to watch this so that you can see all this happen. <laughs> no, it's really good. It is actually really good. Yeah. So that is our challenge to you, is go and watch this obscure 90s. Actually, it's not obscure, is it? Because, like, it's had thousands of downloads. Oh, yeah, but I've <laughs> never bloody heard of it. We've been going to science fiction conventions for the last 15 years. Well, 17 years. Yeah, and that's how Nobody's we worked Nobody's ever out. mentioned it. That's how we worked out. We're old now. We hadn't realised. <laughs> we hadn't realised, people. But we met late 2004... And I have to point out that's only five years after this really dated science fiction programme was set. The but plot isn't dated, it's just the technology around them is dated. The, yeah. pe- the whole everything. Or the phones and the cars and the... This is so long ago. Yeah. Look how babyish the master is. I know. He's a tiny wee guy. It's really good the way the, the lines knit over each other and come back together. It is good, isn't it? Yeah. But the amount of money they spent on sets for one hour programme. Yeah. It's crazy. Is that you'd never get that budget now. You reckon? Well, absolutely. I mean, you've got the, the live shots of having to close down uh, King's Cross. You've got the train set, the tunnel sets, uh, the breaking down tunnels, 
the um, sets in the broken down warehouses that they live in as soon as they do get to Sheffield. The broken down streets and detritus and cars in the streets. The train station. I mean, if you're putting that much money into a set, you would have to use it for pretty much half of series nowadays. There's just no way the budget would go on there. Oh, but what I do like is um, the ne'er-do-well in this dystopia. He has a crossbow. And it goes real walking dead, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, there are so many. It's almost scene by scene, some of it. Some of it. Like walking dead. And because this is way before the walking dead, yeah. you know who was stealing from whom. Yeah. You know, it was, yeah, it was really, really, really good. And that's walking dead before it got shot. <gasps> oh. Anyway. It was great. So they're all in Sheffield now. You've got your main characters, and it's now all being narrated by the master's little sister, who's a 10-year-old. So we get all this information from her diary, even though she's never there when any of the action takes place. True debt. True debt. The whole thing is like an elaborate Easter egg trail. It is. Yeah, which takes us around full circle. <laughs> so I think we should... Draw a close to this conversation now and put oh. this podcast into the editing suite. Maybe we can have a kind of club, guys. If you have any obscure old science fiction series that you want us to... It doesn't have to be science fiction, but we do oh, like science fiction. we like science fiction. But we can talk about other things. We can talk about other things. Give us some suggestions. Maybe we can have you on talking about them with us. <laughs> Why don't you get in touch with us under the comments on the podcast on Podbean, or you can write to us on the Lemonade Budget page on Facebook and give us your suggestions as to what you, you think we should be talking about. Oh, and while you're there, I have got a, a Kofi. Kofi? You can buy us a Kofi. Buy us a Kofi? A Kofi. A Kofi. A Kofi, yeah. Oh, that's nice. It's supposed to be like coffee, but it's spelled like Kofi, like in Kofi Annan. <laughs> he was a good egg, wasn't he? He was, he was. So it's like, I think, kofi.com slash Donna Scott's. And uh, so you can buy us, buy us a Kofi and... Uh, and a Nan, because we've a not nan. got no Nans. <laughs> <laughs> they died as well. Like poor Ethel on the train. <laughs> like poor Ethel on the train. Oh, dear. And uh, yeah, give us a five-star review. Even if you don't like us. <laughs> right. I'm Neil K. Bond. I'm Donna Scott. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Lemonade Budget for Champagne Social Butterflies with Donna Scott. Please like and subscribe. Give us a five-star review. I love you. Also check out Donna Scott Comedy on YouTube and my website, donna-scott.co.uk. Music, It Looks Like the Future But It Feels Like the Past by Dr Turtle on Flush Your Rolex EP.